fake, fake, fakety fake. Hi, I'm Jody. And I'm Vienna. And welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far-right podcast Rebel News, and then talk about the Canadian and U.S. military spying on Ezra Levant with my friend Vienna. True. How are you, Vienna? I'm doing okay. I'm alive. It's <laughs> COVID time, so, you know, nothing exciting is happening, but I went to a bookstore and bought too many books today. That's nice. good enough. I was going to say, what is time? <laughs> Not real. I think we should get rid of dating. I think we should get rid of clocks. Just like, you know, we just had the 150th anniversary of the Paris Commune. There's a reason they targeted clock towers for destruction. And they were correct. Abolish time, you know? <laughs> A-tab? All time are bastards? That didn't really make grammatical sense, but... <laughs> How are you? I'm, uh, you know, it's going to be my birthday soon. And it's going to be my second birthday in quarantine, which feels very, very, very weird. But beyond that, I guess I'm okay. I mean, yesterday, we're, we're delayed in recording because my daughter was not feeling great and was doing a lot of screaming. And we got worried, took her to the, the doctor. Apparently, she's just constipated. And thankfully, before we started recording, she pooped. So we're all good. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, dealing with kids during a pandemic, it was very, uh, you're always torn with the decision. Should I take her to the doctor? It's COVID. That means coming into contact with people. And like, I don't know, it's complicated. But uh, I guess we're all doing okay today, which is the most important part. Yeah. No, I, the doctor thing is, I also went to the doctor today and that's how I ended up because there's a bookstore right next to me <laughs> but, um, this is my first family doctor visit since COVID started and I in the past year have had numerous health issues that should have warranted a doctor's visit but it's COVID and it's two buses away so like I don't know it sucks yeah I was gonna say I haven't been to the doctor at all I don't think I can't think off the top of my head if I've had to go on this whole year. But on the flip side of it, which is totally unlike me, I haven't been sick at all this year. And, and part of that is just like not seeing anybody. <laughs> so I'm not and like because we had kids, right? Our kids would go to daycare, lick everyone at school and then come home and give their give us all their diseases. Right. But uh, thankfully, we did not have that this year. So one the one benefit of quarantine. <laughs> yeah. And not being on campus either is like yes you're not getting the like exposure there which like everybody is just like visit like ruined health wise during the fall well, i also find like teenagers first time away from home not necessarily the best at hygiene yet a couple of steps above daycare but like not much i would say not much <laughs> Because we all know what they're doing at those parties. They're all just licking each other there anyways. <laughs> the good news is, so we got we got delayed a day in recording. And we just found out this afternoon that the Rebel News YouTube channel has been completely demonetized. Now, they're still up and functioning, but they're no longer able to get Super Chats. And they're no longer able to uh, get ad revenue from YouTube. So that is good. We're like we're not going to go to it uh into it to too much detail here because my guess is they're just going to be nonstop talking about it next week when we we do our next uh episode. But uh it it is going to be relevant for one of the stories that comes up in this episode. So I wanted to bring it up now and we're going to address like a part of it, but I just want to say congratulations. We did it everyone. <laughs> this is one step. I I hope uh in the future, we can completely remove them from social media. But for now, they can't make money off of it uh, directly. So that's nice. Fuck yeah, something good happened for one. <laughs> and with that good uh, news, we're going to move into the Imperial Roundup. Hello, my rebels. Hello, my rebels. I'm a good boy. I'm a weirdo. This is what happened on the Rebel from March 15th to March 19th. Ezra spends an inordinate amount of time criticizing Bill Gates because Gates is telling people to get vaccinated. I see no need to defend Bill Gates, but just because Bill has an opinion about vaccines does not mean that vaccines are less trustworthy. 
Later in the week, an audience member says he does not trust anyone who would associate with Epstein. And Ezra agrees. Jer writes, Bill Gates and Jeffrey Epstein hanging out tells you everything you need to know about this man's character and trustworthiness. Yeah, I know one person who met uh, Jeffrey Epstein and was immediately creeped out by him. And it's actually Ann Coulter who tells the story of when she was, when he pulled up alongside her in his limo and, and she just immediately, all the alarm bells were ringing. I obviously never met uh, Jeffrey Epstein, but even if he didn't creep you out and weird you out just on sight, Bill Gates was still hanging out with him after his crimes came public. So I think Bill Gates knew exactly what Jeffrey Epstein was about, and I wouldn't be surprised if he was a participant. But apparently they both have forgotten that Epstein's close uh, friend was Donald J. Trump. Ezra then covers an article written by Lee Fang published in The Intercept about Pfizer telling investors they want to increase the price of the vaccine once the pandemic is over. This should be bad enough, as is, but Ezra makes it sound like they want to increase it now, not when the pandemic is over, and also thinks that they will make you perpetually get the vaccine because of, you know, profits. It is worth noting, however, that the only time Ezra hates big business is when it comes to, say, woke branding or vaccines. He never seems to mind big business when it comes to, I don't know, polluting the environment or oil. Fellow Mickelier has returned to The Rebel to crowdfund his next film. Mickelier's last film was a staged reading of the congressional testimony regarding the Obamagate conspiracy starring Dean Cain. Obamagate is a theory that Obama had the FBI spy on the Trump campaign, which is not supported by any evidence. His next film will be about Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden checks all the boxes for interesting. Um, you know, he's, he's sexually extreme, drug abuse, foreign lands, money, bribery, uh, and of course, you know, the family politics, you would think he would have been the most written about, most published stories of 2020, but it was shut down because it was too interesting, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, look, the, the script writes itself, and, and this is a movie, not a documentary. This is, you know, but this is, this is, it's got exotic locations, it's got drama, it's got high political drama, it's got corruption, it's got strippers, it's got strip bars. Uh, you know, I, I call it Austin Powers meets King Lear. His drug use and supposed connections to China and how they apparently reflect poorly on President Biden? You know, th this is not to attack Hunter Biden's personal feelings or his addictions, by the way, which are tragic. This is to say an international oil and gas company searched the world for an executive and they found the guy who was thrown out of the Navy in the first day. They found the guy who was in and out of rehab. They found the guy who, who was living this dissolute lifestyle and never had a proper job. Why and what strings did Joe Biden pull once Hunter was on the board? Why did Hunter Biden get $100,000 as a spending perk from a Chinese businessman? Why did, he, why did his consultancy get $3 million from the mayor of Moscow's wife? And who is the big guy? And in one of his emails, he talks about the big guy. And everyone says, that's Joe Biden. Is that correct? So this, these are the, this is the story we're going to tell, this international man of mystery. Speaking on the lack of conservative representation in Hollywood, Ezra says, The industry that was once blacklisted by Senator McCarthy is now running the blacklist. Sadly, this blacklist has yet to stop conservative Clint Eastwood from making his shitty Oscar-nominated films. Ezra spends an entire show dedicated to a new Alberta bill which lays out a recall procedure for elected officials in the province. Ezra is upset that the bill is not as good as California's in the sense that it is easier to recall a politician in California, such as what is currently happening to Governor uh, Gavin Newsom. There is almost no point to this segment. <laughs> It is almost as if Ezra just noticed that Newsom was being recalled and Alberta was passing a bill. Therefore, he had something to talk about. Gotta fill time somehow. Yep. The prosecutors have dropped all but one charge on the Grace Life Church pastor who has been in prison for violating COVID restrictions. They suspect he will be let out of prison, reversing a denial of bail decision made just weeks prior. But as of this recording, he is still in prison. Actually, show note, I will add, uh, he did get let out of prison today. God damn it. That kind of cancels out <laughs> the good news of 
them losing YouTube funding. Ezra continues to name the lead prosecutor, even though it was her request not to be named due to threats, and goes even further by saying that she is Satan for going after the church. I know it's a day of happiness for Pastor Coates and his family and his congregation, but for me it's a day of fury that he has been in there for a month and that the various charges against him were dropped so casually by the satanic prosecutor. I say that because putting a pastor in prison while releasing violent criminals, that's, that's right out of the Bible. That's who would you want to free, Barabbas or Jesus? That's, that's right down to what that is. And for a month, that prosecutor thought, oh, let's keep him in. So I'm not particularly impressed that after a month, she says, okay, maybe I got it wrong. Ezra has decided to create a campaign leading up to the conservative convention that just happened this weekend. This campaign was to replace O'Toole as the leader of the party with Stephen Harper, our last prime minister for the conservative party. No. <laughs> Ezra chats with Andrew Lawton about how O'Toole is bad for agreeing that climate change is real. And it turns out that Ezra has a better sense of the base on this issue, considering the conservative base just voted to deny climate change as an issue, despite O'Toole's insistence that climate change is in fact real. Ezra plays a clip of a Chinese official criticizing the U.S., who said they should sort out their own issues of racial injustice before trying to criticize China on theirs. On human rights, we hope that the United States will do better on human rights. China has made steady progress in human rights, and the fact is that there are many problems within the United States regarding human rights, which is admitted by the U.S. itself as well. The United States has also said that countries can't rely on force in today's world to resolve the challenges we face. And it is a failure to use various means to topple the so-called authoritarian states. And the challenges facing the United States in human rights are deep-seated. They did not just emerge over the past four years, such as Black Lives Matter. It did not come up only recently. So we do hope that for our two countries, it's important that we manage our respective affairs well, instead of deflecting the blame on somebody else in this world. Ezra suggests that China was able to embarrass America because Biden supports Black Lives Matter. As if the problem isn't the fact that there exists racial injustice in America, but instead the problem is that there are groups fighting against it. But in a way, the Democrats were asking for it for years, maybe even decades. Democrats have said that America is immoral. America is racist, intolerant, sexist, transphobic. Trump's motto was make America great again. He believed in American greatness, America first. The left always says, no, America was never great, and it's certainly not great now. So why is it surprising that your foreign enemies quote you back to you about how bad America is? The tactic is absolutely no surprise. It's what enemies do to Western democracies if they sense weakness. To add to this America is weak narrative, Ezra plays the clip of Biden falling on some stairs. This leads guest Ben Weingarten to suggest Biden is a decoy to distract from the real people in control of the government. On one level, it's incredibly disconcerting that the commander in chief apparently seems to show these signs of needing assistance, won't take a press conference, won't take any questions from the press, uh, and then you add the policies to it and it's just cataclysmic. On the other hand, I have long felt that the president was essentially a figurehead. He was a, he was a figurehead candidate and not really the one running the show that and that perception seems to be meeting reality right now and maybe the even more disconcerting thing is you know what if the reality is that this administration is really being run by the underlings in the administrative state the deep state if you want to call it that although according to ben biden is instituting a policy of equity over equality which really speaks to a sort of critical race theory identitarian cultural marxism infuse sort of policy i guess ben's brain is turned to mush or he was hoping we would all win conservative buzzword bingo and that is the week this week we're going to talk about the military in part because 
Ezra makes the claim that the Canadian and U.S. military is spying on him. And we will get to that in a second. But of course, because he's going to talk about this issue, he's going to like preface it with some like general talk about the military. And so one of the things that I want to preface our own <laughs> conversation about this is that, I, I mean, I, I won't speak for Vienna, but I know like myself, I'm not a huge fan of the military generally. That isn't to say that uh, the military can't do some beneficial things for society in terms of like vaccine distribution or some other things that they could be called on to do. But uh, I think we're going to avoid, I, I'll flag up front that I have a lot of just general uh, criticisms of the military and I'll let uh, Vienno say their piece on this as well. But I think in the piece we can criticize because even on like Ezra's own terms, I don't think the criticisms work against the military that he's going to bring forward towards the military. And so we'll get to that in a second. But I just want to flag, in no way, in def like defending the military against the stupid things that Ezra is saying, are we saying that the military is therefore great in, by extension, you know? <laughs> I get like uh, conflicted with this even when it comes with police unions, which is like, I don't like police unions, unions at all. I don't think they do good things. But then... I understand one of the one of the benefits of having a police union for some people who are police, for example, uh, women police who receive uh, sexual harassment on the force and whatnot. There is some like pathway to uh, uh, remedy or addressing those complaints. But that being said, I wish there were no police in the first place. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so like there's it comes to the same thing because we're going to talk a, a bit about representation in the military and there's a part of me where it's like if we're gonna have a military i guess i want it to be open to representation but at the same time that doesn't take away from the fact that i have like criticisms of the military generally i feel like wanting to like have the military which will like always serve colonialism and white supremacy be like as minimally white supremacist as possible is to like i guess a defensible a defensible position i mean like i would even be okay like i'm aware that defense might be necessary in some possible future it's just a matter of like the way militaries are used today seem primarily to be for colonialism so our current system of it is not great and if if they were mainly there to like i don't know the the engineering forces to build bridges or something then like cool <laughs> Like, if we had a civilian force that just did infrastructure, I'd be totally cool with that. A-okay. It's the, the negative colonial aspects that are not cool. Yeah, we can have an infrastructure construction division and emergency rescue response. And boom, that's all we need. We're good. Agreed. So now, moving on to, to Ezra's coverage. Ezra begins by saying uh, he placed this clip of a Canadian... Uh, member of the military s using their pronouns at the beginning of, of addressing themselves. And Ezra says, there's no reasons for pronouns to be in the military because the military's sole purpose is to kill things and break things. <laughs> what does it mean when the military gets so political, when it puts other goals ahead of winning in a battlefield? I mean, maybe we need to have a big transgender campaign in Canada. I'm a skeptic. I have a lot of questions, but can we all agree that the only purpose of a military is, to be blunt about it, to kill people and break things? There can be no references <laughs> to another member of the military. The military is one, and they shall be referred to, ah, oh, fuck, and the military shall be referred to as the military, yeah. and by no pronouns. I mean, he did this recently, too, with O'Toole, being like, oh, no, if I have to... Uh use O'Toole's pronouns he oh and then like but he's using pronouns and describing it and, and like it comes into this weird thing where it's like you're not against pronoun use you're against the like announcing your pronouns because somehow that's like kowtowing to some like trans movement in like his mind but I do like the admission here which is that <laughs> the military's sole purpose for Ezra is to kill things and break things I hate to admit it, but he's not wrong. Well, I know. <laughs> he's not wrong, but that stuff was like shocking in itself for him to just be like, 
openly brazen about that. The reason why we're talking about this, not only because Ezra thinks that the military is spying on him, but that there was this clip that was played or, or that Tucker Carlson went on about complaining about, say, the military kowtowing to both uh, trans people, but also pregnant women in the military. And the military, the U.S. military ended up responding to Tucker Carlson's bit, criticizing him because it had to do. Basically, I think the gist of Tucker Carlson's piece was sort of that pregnant women can't serve in the military. And he was criticizing them for, I guess they were creating some uniforms for like maternity clothes for women who are still serving in the military. Okay. The thing is, like, the obvious retort to this is that. There's other things that one can do in the military besides, say, the, like, like crawling through, like, barbed wire fence on your hands and knees and shit like that, you know? <laughs> like, there's there's some, like, paper-pushing bureaucratic elements of the military that pregnant people can participate in. Um, wrong. The military's sole purpose <laughs> is to kill things and break things. Right. We've been through this. <laughs> But you can see the angle they're going. So we're going to address Alex Jones as well, because Ezra appeared on the Alex Jones show uh, this week. But both Ezra and Alex respond to this, but like joking that like the military is now going to allow soldiers to be like wearing high heels in battle. You just saw Tucker Carlson the last week embroiled with the Pentagon investigating him and speaking out against him for daring to question putting pregnant women in combat and, and giving them maternity suits for the fighter pilots. And then having the, the, the military wear red high heels and uh, to have, you know, I, I guess put a, a tr a transgender people in Delta Force. What's underlying a lot of this is this like a military is supposed to be like men grunting and angry. But now like the leftists are coming in and they're making the military wear pregnancy gowns, high heels, and are addressing each other by pronouns and therefore have demasculated the military. Like, that is that is the whole argument here. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, it's really stupid, too, because they claim that China has a, like, a policy right now that is, like, hyper-masculine. The military has become more accommodating, both under uh, Republican and Democratic administrations. Uh, Tucker Carlson took exception to Biden's comments and he contrasted the attitude of the U.S. armed forces with that of the Chinese military, which is building Navy ships rapidly and is encouraging masculine behavior among Chinese men in order to make them, I suppose, better soldiers. Tucker then said, we're doing the opposite in the U.S. armed forces. And he, he hit on the example of the pregnant flight suit. And I could see like no evidence that this is the case or what would make the Chinese policy specifically hypermasculine, but the, of course they have to make it about the fact that look over there are the, the evil Chinese are putting together a military force that is completely super masculine. And over here, Biden is making our, our military less masculine because he cares more about things being politically correct over being effective. Because to be effective, you need the military to be super masculine. Now, I think Tucker is wrong on the substance here, because I don't think that the pregnant flight suit has anything to do with military readiness. But I think his overall point is largely correct, which is that under Democratic administrations like Obama, like Biden, the military does spend a lot more time doing politically correct things rather than doing things that make our military more effective. And a great example is the transgender policy. And this is something that like Joel Pollack actually says. So uh, Joel Pollack, who's the editor of Breitbart News, comes onto this segment as well to, to make these similar claims. It's, it's all about we need a more masculine military and the leftists in their, what, like two, Joe Biden, not even a leftist, but Joe Biden's... Uh, two, three months into office now has completely demasculinized the uh, military, apparently. It's interesting because leftists are infiltrating the military and making it worse, but apparently the Chinese Communist Party is, you know, the hyper-masculine blah, 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 blah. It's like that whole, <laughs> what is it, Umberto Eco? And like, Earth fascism being like, oh, the enemy is both weak and strong. Like... Yeah, it's like how how can the Chinese communists somehow understand that you need to 
in order to be strong, you need to present this masculine like front. But then apparently the leftists here want want to demasculate us because they're all weak. Yeah, I, none of it makes any fucking sense. I also want to say Ezra responds to uh, <laughs> Tucker saying that the military responding to Tucker Carlson's clip is like they la- now live in a banana republic. Joel, it's really creepy to have um, men in uniform, camouflage uniforms, giving political speeches that feels a little banana republic-y to me. And I'm not sure the connection that's being made here beyond the fact that a military person held a press conference addressing a Tucker Carlson clip, like that fact in itself is a banana republic. But then it's like, the military has press conferences all the fucking time. Like, (laughs) I don't understand this. I mean, you know, banana republic, US-backed corporate dictatorship. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he's wrong on this one either. Well, I mean, but that was like the weird thing too, because I was like, does he even know what a banana republic is? Like those were instituted by the American government. Banana republic is when people do bad things. Like I can't tell if it's if it comes from a complete ignorance of the history of banana republics, or if the term banana republic has just like has been encoded in his brain as bad now banana republic bad even though the banana republics were upheld by america to enforce the uh banana companies control over south american governments yeah i think it's just like that it's ended up as a general term for some sort of bad government that somehow involves military force like it does it it's just kind of been all of the meaning has been like sucked out of it. But I just want to go go back to the 1950s and earlier when this shit was happening and uh, see one of those military dictatorships that we now call a banana republic and see them be like, what we really need is pronouns being said in the military. That's why the U.S. military backed those dictatorships was to enforce pronoun usage. <laughs> God is going to suck when the like trans friendly interve- military interventions start. Let's 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 hope that ne- never happens. <laughs> Pollock uh, then compares transgender surgery taking you out of service uh, to having a chronic illness like flat footedness that might take you out of the service forever in the United States. Transgender soldiers often require transition surgery. So you're joining the military and you need surgery to correct gender dysphoria. That takes transgender soldiers out of deployable status, out of active duty. It costs the taxpayer a lot of money to have these surgeries. And it's a special exception, actually. We don't allow people in the military who need corrective surgery for other things. Yeah, if your teeth are bad, you know, the Navy will pay to fix them. But if you have flat feet, if you have a bad back, if you have asthma, whatever, the military is not going to take you and no hard feelings. But they need soldiers who are ready to be physically deployed, again, with the exception of pregnancy, where the military is trying to become more flexible. But there are examples like the transgender issue where the armed forces has put you could say political correctness or in in a more charitable light, you could say inclusion ahead of military readiness. And I think that's Tucker Carlson's point. It's almost like to Pollock being trans is something that like you perpetually need to like be taken out of the military for. And I'm not, I do not think that that is the case at all. I'm pretty sure once you have the surgery and have the time to recover and whatnot, you start, uh, existing rather normally within society yeah like it's it's a surgery he goes further and complains that the military shouldn't be paying for these things and he and he even says they shouldn't be paying for like surgeries for flat footedness and stuff like this because and he and he says that the reason why is because you like you need the military to be militarily ready and you can't have them constantly like needing surgeries and shit like this taking them out of service But I'm like, wouldn't like in the military's mind, again, be like, no, you just let the person have uh, surgery for their flat footedness. So now in the future and for the rest of time, they are officially militarily ready, you know? Yeah. No, no, we should get rid of military medics as well. If somebody gets shot, leave them there. (laughs) Don't pick them up. They're 
they're gone. They would need surgery. They wouldn't be ready right away. Like, done. The argument there is that person would have, like, got injured in the in the field of battle, if you will, right? But there's also a sense that, like, it's almost like Pollux is, is shocked as well at the idea that, God forbid, that a government would provide some sort of health care costs. That is, like, I think that's, like, the underlying thing here. So it's not just that he's trying to, like, denigrate uh, transgender people and whatever surgery that they might want to have. He's also saying, like, why would we have the military pay for people's surgery, whether it's transgender stuff or flat-footed stuff, you know? For him, it's like, there should be no government health care anyways. Make make the military people pay for it themselves. <laughs> like, like, I just don't have anything to say because it's just like, like I'm shocked into silence type of thing. It's just like, how do you think a fucking military works? I just, they generally don't think is... <laughs> Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Although these are supposed to be these are supposed to be the pro military people, so it's it's just super weird. Yeah. And like they're the ones, you know, they're the ones like Ben Shapiro has that like shitty military action book and like also doesn't know how the fuck military stuff works. Like they <laughs> idolize these people and they're like just like so in love with the military aesthetic and like the military like as a concept. But then, like, the second you actually have to think about, like, what that might entail, it's like, oh, I got nothing. Like, why the fuck would they take care of their soldiers? Like, who? That's not how gun work. It really is the aesthetic, though, right? Things like government healthcare and all this stuff, even though it, in, in the context of the real military is necessary for doing things like keeping people militarily ready, regardless of whether you think that they should be militarily ready or not, right? The point of having the healthcare free and available for them is so that you don't have people neglecting their health so that they're ready to go into battle if necessary. But it's like in their mind, they're like, socialized medicine? How feminine. Like... <laughs> There's an element of just, like, they perceive the military as just this super hyper-masculine, aggressive thing. And therefore, needing health, needing to heal yourself, is, like, not very masculine, yo. <laughs> the military is a pack of lone wolves, and they know how to take care of themselves. Yeah, you want healthcare? You go find some like weeds in the the forest and heal those wounds directly, like a man. You rub some dandelion flower in that open gunshot wound, and boom, you're ready to go back. <laughs> God. They do move away from this uh, a little bit and start talking about uh, extremists in the ranks of the military, and Pollock is angry that the military says that it's going to go after military extremists. And realizes uh, that this is probably the result of January 6th. And my guess is he's not wrong about that. But then he follows up by going, but why aren't they going after Black Lives Matter and Antifa members in the military? Lloyd Austin said there's going to be a 60-day stand-down, quote-unquote, in the military in various branches while they ferret out the extremists. Because there were a handful of former soldiers and a few reservists, maybe one or two active duty people who were arrested at the Capitol riot. But we're talking about maybe about a dozen people. The military as a whole is now being tarnished, and Lloyd Austin is rooting out extremism. Well, the examples of extremism that we're aware of all have to do with the Capitol riot. We don't know that the military is going after Black Lives Matter sympathizers or Antifa supporters in the military. We don't know that. Mr. Pollock, <laughs> Antifa stand for anti-fascist. I don't think they're joining the world's largest fascist organization. <laughs> I think you're safe. Yeah, Black Lives Matter might be a little bit more of a broad tent, and I can imagine there's going to be a lot more Black Lives Matter uh, supporting military members to a certain degree. Yeah, and like I'm sure there are many people who join and then become sympathetic to those things as well because like they see how fucked up the military is. But chances are, if they are like active activists then they know not to join the military pollock also cites glenn greenwald as the only leftist who's like uh adequately upset about this stuff like they are it's an unprecedented politicization of the military and conservatives are starting to sound the alarm 
I don't know why leftists are silent, uh, I guess with the exception of one or two, like the Glenn, Glenn Greenwalds of the world, uh, who've really come out as, as vociferous defenders of free speech. But most of the Democrats are completely silent about this, completely unconcerned, apparently. And uh, I just wanted to flag that because Glenn Greenwald is doing a lot of stupid shit uh, recently, and especially like anti-trans shit and just general. I think he said that Steve Bannon is a socialist and just like really stupid shit that's coming out of Glenn Greenwald's mouth. But like now you can see Pollock and the right are co-opting him for their own sort of purposes, even though. I do know that Glenn Greenwald has never identified as a leftist and has specifically identified as someone who's more libertarian leaning. So he never really was on the left, even though he did some good reporting every once in a while. I will give him credit for that. I think the Edward Snowden uh, NSA stuff was good and his coverage of uh, Brazil was good. But just because you do a few good journalistic things doesn't mean that you have underlying shitty politics. So I just wanted to flag that because that's recent. I was actually surprised. I've never heard Glenn Greenwald like brought up on the show before, but I guess because Glenn Greenwald is having this very public transition into right-wing chuttery, of course, he's going to be now appraised on the Rebel News program. Yeah, honestly, I can't kind of, I don't, I still don't know shit about Glenn Greenwald, but like you can see like the neutral libertarian to fascist pipeline in the works, like it's we have a direction where where things are headed and we know which way the oil flows and glenn greenwald is flowing <laughs> oh yeah he has entered the water slide ezra says that rooting out extremists in the military is a new form of mccarthyism this is another thing i've noticed everything is a new form of mccarthyism for ezra for, for whatever this week i guess it was like 1984 a couple weeks ago now it's mccarthyism everything's mccarthyism and then he also says, we don't even know what extremists are. <laughs> you, you know, that that's what the left accused the right of, McCarthyism. We don't even know what extremism is. I love that. For someone who's like been such a, an anti-Muslim bigot, for him to then say, we don't even know who extremists are. <laughs> Pollock says, we can probably all agree we don't want Islamic extremists in the military. Responding to Ezra's claim that we don't even know what the extremists are. And says we don't even want white supremacist extremists in the military. So thank you, Pollock, for taking the radical stance that he doesn't want white supremacist extremists in the military. I will say he's probably framing it this way because he's okay with white nationalist terrorists being in the military, but that's a different question. He does say that the military is one of the most diverse institutions in the U.S., though, and so it would be very rare to find white supremacists in the military. <laughs> And I think everybody would agree we don't want Islamic extremists in the military. I think there would be broad agreement we don't want white supremacist extremists in the military. But the military is already one of the most diverse institutions in America, probably the most diverse institution in America. So it's the last place you'd expect to find white supremacists. Uh... <laughs> he's like, he's almost there. He's like, <laughs> he's like, we shouldn't have them in there, but they can't be in there because the military is diverse. I mean, he does caveat this by saying that doesn't mean you won't find one every once in a while or they won't leave the military and become white supremacists. But uh, there's ongoing reporting that like there's I wouldn't say they represent a lot of the military, but in terms of like outward expressed beliefs and behaviors or even associations. But there are large pockets that then go up, uh, go out into the world to join militia groups and other things. And a lot of ex-military stormed the Capitol on January 6th. So there you go. Yeah. No, and like there's been for like ages now, like there's been active movements by non-military white supremacists to join the military to get military training and access to weapons and gun training and stuff like that. Because that is something very useful to white supremacists and their goals. On Monday's show, Ezra titles his podcast, why are the U.S. and Canadian military spying on rebel news? And Ezra begins this segment by saying, Hello, my friends. A stunning show today, if I may say so. I have documents showing that the U.S. Navy hired a military contractor to spy on rebel news. But if that isn't clear enough, Ezra says, let me be precise in my language. Let me be very precise in my language. 
the United States Department of Defense and the Canadian Armed Forces have both funded a joint cyber intelligence operation against Rebel News. Given this framing, Vienna, what does it sound like he's suggesting happened? Yeah, like it just like it feels like there's a dude in a warehouse with a like laptop open that is black screen with green letters, and he is typing into that stuff and like hacking their mainframe and wearing <laughs> some like Matrix outfit, and that and he's getting all of the Rebel News information. So Ezra obtained emails from a Freedom of Information request between the University of Arkansas and an employee with the Office of Naval Research (ONR). We will eventually get into why he decided to file this uh, Freedom of Information request and how he knew where to look in a few minutes. But first, we will go into a bit more detail about the nature of the emails that were occurring uh, between these institutions. Ezra has the emails. There were two in total linked on his website that are from the University of Arkansas at Little Rock between a professor named uh, Nitin Agarwal and an ONR employee named Rebecca Goolsby. Goolsby is a PhD in cyber anthropology with experience in researching online extremism, and Argawal directs uh, COSMOS, which stands for the Collaboratorium for Social Media and Online Behavioral Studies at the University of Arkansas. That sounds boring as hell. (laughs) COSMOS receives funding from the ONR as well as a whole bunch of other government organizations. The first email is from October 2019. And Nitin is informing Rebecca about a report he is sending her showing that Rebel is using what he calls fake websites. The second email exchange is almost exactly a year later. Rebecca is sharing with a group of scholars, including Nitin, some resources released by the Department of Homeland Security about combating online disinformation generally. It's like a pamphlet thing that's not very spooky. It's just uh, what to watch out for online and stuff like this. Ninton responds to this email by saying thanks, and then follows up saying that the paper Cosmos was working on is now published in the Journal of Future Conflict, which is published by Queen's University. In other words, this apparent spying, as Ezra describes it, was published in an open-access peer-reviewed journal published by a Canadian university. Damn. (laughs) Are we spying on Ezra? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, this this podcast is spying on Ezra. Antifa spying on Ezra. This puts the first email in context, given that funding is usually tied to some sort of report to update them about the research they are funding. So the ONR is funding this research, and then the University of Arkansas then sends a report, right? This doesn't mean those who fund university programs are guiding the research, but they want to at least know that it's vaguely related to the initial request for funding. So usually you have to fill out a grant form, send it to the person who's offering the grant, and then you have to do a follow-up saying, look, this project that we solicited that you gave us money for, this is what we're doing, right? This is how funding works at like all universities. Given that Cosmos at the University of Arkansas studies online behavior, and the ONR (laughs) and other governmental organizations are interested in online extremism, it's not surprising that some military funding is being redirected to university research on this subject. However, to frame that as a contractual relationship, like that the military is hiring some sort of private company, is super disingenuous. (laughs) It's a funding relationship. Yeah. It's not contracting anything. You're saying that there isn't a van parked outside of Rebel News's, um, <laughs> just like bullshit and with a giant dish, and they're like listening everywhere, everybody's houses, everybody's office spaces, Ben Bankus's street comedy. There, if you look in the background, there's a van that, like, <laughs> you can see has the letters FBI have been painted over by something. Yeah, none of that's happening. It's it's just university being funded by the <laughs> Oh. So before we explain why Ezra thinks this research itself constituted spying, 
I think we should discuss how Ezra thinks the Canadian military is involved with this. Because right now we just get that the American military is funding them, right? In the second email, where Nitin informs Rebecca about the publication, Nitin describes the journal as follows. The Journal of Future Conflict, published by the Queen's University Department of Psychology, in cooperation with the Center for Security, Armed Forces, and Society at the Department of Politics of the Royal Military College of Canada, the Special Operation Forces Command Education and Research Center, as well as with support from, the, from Defense Research and Development Canada. This is also how the journal describes itself on their own website. <laughs> it also tells me that this academic journal is possibly funded by these organi organizations. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that they fund the research that eventually ends up published in their journal. Nor do they necessarily have a direct say in what gets published, right? They're just working in tandem with them in some capacity. Like the cooperation could just be that they have people that sit on like the editorial board or something like this for this journal, even though it's a an open access peer reviewed journal. But it also means that like it's some of the, some of the the names listed here, like the Royal Military College, is an educational institution, and so maybe they have people who who provide resources into like publishing the journal in some capacity, right? Which of course they would because they're a research institution just like any other research institution, right? Yeah. Well, like, and it could be that they like share authorship because again, these are educational institutions or at least the RMC is. Yeah. Well, like, it would, it would be shared like editorial or a publishing ship, right? Because they're, mm -hmm. Obviously, like the work is getting done at other institutions and then they cement or submit their papers to this journal, such as from the University of Arkansas, which is where the particular paper involved, the research was done and then was sent to Queens, uh, <laughs> to this Journal of Future Conflicts. It's all connected. It's all connected. It goes all the way to the top. Five eyes. All five eyes are on Ezra. It's bad enough that Ezra thinks the ONR funding the University of Arkansas's Cosmos uh, thing. It's bad enough that Ezra thinks that's the U.S. spying on him. But simply for these connections with the journal itself that published this paper, Ezra thinks that this is evidence that the Canadian military is also spying on him. The Royal Military College is spying on Ezra on behalf of Justin Trudeau himself. Nailed it. Later in the week when Ezra is on the Alex Jones show, Ezra admits that the only reason he became aware of uh, this and why he knew to file the particular freedom of information request at the University of Arkansas is when this journal article went public. However, he describes it this way. Well, and we wouldn't have found out about it had the same defense contractor not resold the same info to the Canadian Armed Forces, which for some reason published it as a part of a study. So I started following the breadcrumbs back to the University of Arkansas defense contractor and then back to the U.S. Navy. What? <laughs> I don't understand it. It was literally, the, they were getting published in a journal in Canada and Ezra's like, yeah, I only found out about it because they slipped up in reselling the information to Canada. It somehow got made public. And it's like, no, it was published in a peer-reviewed online open access journal. Jesus Christ. Ezra, I know you went to university. You went to <laughs> law school. How do you not know how any academia works? Like, God. Because he's grifting. He's just banking on his audience not knowing. There's no way he can't realize this is super fucking stupid. So why does Ezra think it's spying? Because you might say here, okay, this is just funding going on here. What actually was done in the research paper such that Ezra thinks that it constitutes spying? Okay, here it goes. The researchers at the University of Arkansas were studying online networks in order to understand the behavior of online extremists attracting traffic to their content. They decided to focus on the Canadian election in 2019 to see how these networks uh, worked in other countries. And at first, uh, they focused on a broad range of YouTube content, including everything from the CBC to left-wing creators like, uh, for example, the YouTuber Christo Avelis, and also Rebel News. 
They used tools that would track these creators' online activity using open source data mining techniques. They then decided to focus on Rebel when they discovered something unique to their online reach, which is that the Rebel creates what the researchers refer to as fake websites, which all link back to the main Rebel website. Now, we already know that they do this since every time they have a big main uh, issue, they uh, and they want to grow their email lists. <laughs> so, for example, they have the fightthefines.ca or nocovidjails.ca, right? So they create these websites and it directs everyone back to the website so that they can get your email, sign the petition, and then they can solicit funds, right? But this also serves a purpose in that having all these different URLs that all direct back to the main website, it increases their like search result algorithms. And so they're kind of like hacking the system in that way to direct more traffic to their website. And they do this all the fucking time. Now, Ezra's going to claim that these aren't fake websites. I like how they put the word stories in scare quotes as if they're not stories. What, what's fake about these websites? Are, are they not websites? I'm guessing this cyber intelligence analysis was written just to bamboozle 75-year-old generals and admirals who have no idea what a Twitter is. And like, sure. They're not fake in the sense that, like, they're really online. But, like, that's not the point that the article is getting at. They call them fake because the purpose is to drive traffic back to the main site. Mm -hmm. Now, you might be thinking, but how is this spying? I'm ready. They used a software called Spy on Web. (gasps) (laughs) It has the word spy in it. That's military intelligence. (laughs) It's literally, you can buy this fucking software yourself. And it it tracks publicly accessible information. So it's it's not even really spying. It's like a spoof on spying in that it's like getting at information that would be hard for you to get at yourself. Um, Jody, but what's the name? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All this information taken in. Ezra, on his own fucking show, wonders... Does the U.S. Navy, does the Pentagon do this a lot? Pay contractors to use software called Spy on Web to spy on Canadian journalists? Why? Who ordered this? On, on what criteria? Who else do they spy on? How else do they spy? Are they tapping my phones? Uh, are they hacking my emails? On the Alex Jones show, he even wonders, how else are they spying? It's one thing for them to, you know, work up reports on my website, but are they actually hacking it? Are they eavesdropping? Are they using human intelligence? Have they sent people in to infiltrate our organization? Uh, what else are they doing um, that that I haven't detected? Because I, I didn't detect the spying on us until the Canadian Armed Forces blabbed in some military journal. So now he's like turning on his own staff going, are they working with the military? (laughs) All because a university team funded in part by the ONR used a software called SpyOnWeb to scan publicly available information and then published it in a Canadian academic, publicly accessible journal, which also in part was funded by the Canadian military. Honestly, it would be so funny if this is what ended Rebel News. So here's the thing. You want to know what's funny? Today, when the news broke that they were demonetized, I watched Ezra's live stream discussing it. And he actually says, But the good news for you to know is that we have been contemplating a plan B for a while because we we were roughed up a bit. People tried to deplatform us in 2017. We survived that and got a little bit stronger. And... I'm certain that more will come. I should remind you that just a week ago, I revealed to you um, that the U.S. Navy contracted with a defense contractor at the University of Arkansas, and the Canadian Armed Forces contracted with that same defense contractor to do a hit piece on us, to smear us as some sort of foreign internet meddler or whatever. For all I know, it's the U.S. Navy report smearing us was given to YouTube, and that's what made the decision. I asked for examples, and none was given. Go to StopSpyingOnUs.com. They got to YouTube. They threatened Google. Ezra then says, how would people feel if the U.S. military spied on the Young Turks or other left-wing online content creators? 
And so, given that the paper used the same technology that spied on the rebel, they also spied on Christo Evalis. I messaged Christo. <laughs> and I was like, hey, you were included in this paper. And Christo didn't seem very concerned with uh, that. He seemed more concerned about YouTube and their control over various algorithms and stuff like this, which I think is a, a reasonable concern. But uh, I don't think he cared all too much that the University of Arkansas uh, used a, I guess, software that looked at publicly available information. Ezra needs to monetize this somehow. So he did his piece. He created a website. He's directing traffic there to get the signatures. So he's doing everything that the uh, journal article reports that they do. And then uh, he runs off to Alex Jones to, to promote the same conspiracy to another uh, American audience. Alex says, yeah. They want to demonize you to the Canadian Armed Forces because you expose the Chinese troops secretly training. You expose Trudeau. You're the main guy doing it. And so they know the troops are patriotic and conservative. So they say you're a commie. But that'll just backfire yeah. on them. The troops aren't stupid. Yeah, I find I find it very confusing. And Ezra doesn't respond to this. He just kind of accepts it as is. Even though Alex broke, or, or uh, Ezra broke that story this past December. And the first email mentioning Rebel was in October 2019. So why would they start to investigate Ezra? Because he, <laughs> he got... He exposed the military in December, but they the military had precog and knew that Ezra was going to expose them. So a year before that. Exactly. Now you get it, Joni. After Ezra leaves, Alex speculates on why the government hasn't killed Ezra yet. He's like, why are they after me? He exposed and foyered the secret documents of tens of thousands of Chinese troops training and the military saying they're spies. Get him out of here. Surprised they didn't kill him. But God is in control, ladies and gentlemen. So we've got Matt Bracken. He's got a bunch of breaking news. He wants the full hour. I'm going to try to give it to him. I got a little bit more news to cover the next five minutes, but then he takes over. Please don't forget, you guys are awesome in this fight. Without you, we don't stay on air. And I try to make it easy to support us. Sure, you can make a straight donation, infowarstore.com. Then we get 95% of the money instead of half of it or a third of it, depending on the product. But I want you to get products you use regularly. So it's not just like some charity here where you give us a donation, even though you get great response and great news and, you know, uh, somebody that fights for liberty out of it. Go to InfoWars store for the mega blowout sale. We had to end storewide free shipping, but on a whole bunch of items, all the Emmerich's essentials, the deodorant, the essential oils, the great essential oil, natural hand sanitizers, the body wash, all of it is 50% off and free shipping on those items. And then we also have Brain Force Plus, the great nootropic, you got to try for yourself good, clean, mental clarity and focus. When I've got to you know, stay up all night long and, I, and, I, and coffee ain't working, I pop a couple of those, baby, and it is awesome. There's elements of crossover. Like, I have to tell you, when I was listening to the, the uh, stream today that they had, the live stream that they had about them being demonetized off of YouTube, and it felt like a Christian revivalist thing where they were trying to get money. But I also know that this will not kill us. Thank God. Because I know that just three months ago, we had a bit of an existential threat when a banker who had bought a loan we had borrowed for 380 grand, almost the identical amount, hmm. called in the loan um, in its, I'm not going to say a sneaky way, but a last minute way. And I'm not mad at him. I mean, he had the right to do so. But it, I didn't like the fact that he sort of sprung it on us a week before Christmas. Um, and our viewers came through in, in big time. And I thought, oh, that's a bit of a miracle. Um, so I know that the thing to do when you're in a pickle is to ask for help. And that's not a real guy thing to do. <laughs> it's not a guy thing to ask for help because you feel a little bit weak and embarrassed. And even though I've done nothing wrong, I feel slightly embarrassed that we've been demonetized completely. Uh, I'm even embarrassed to the 2,000 people watching right now who are thinking, why can't we do a super chat like normal? What's wrong with you? Something must be wrong with you if I can't do whatever. But there's nothing wrong with us. We didn't do anything. It's YouTube that's the problem with. But I, I believe that we can come through this. And my goal 
I don't know how much time we have left on YouTube, 30, 60, 90 days, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Maybe one day. Maybe tonight we'll be kicked off. But between now and then, I want the maximum number of people to just tell me your name and email address. Please, please, please. The 2,200 people watching right now, please go to afteryoutube.com and tell me your name and email. You can unsubscribe anytime, I promise. Just tell me who you are. So if I'm banned tomorrow, I can send you an email saying, hey, come and visit me here. And that is exactly what Alex Jones does in, in like a different capacity. I mean, the only difference is Ezra's Jewish, but it still had that vibe to it. One thing that never gets brought up, which is why might people be interested in what Ezra is doing such that universities are studying their online footprint? And even to an extension, why might governments care about their footprint. And at this point, Ezra has to realize that his show, his platform, is what gave the world, to a large extent, Gavin McGuinness, who went on to create what is now in Canada considered a terrorist organization. And this has got to, this, this must have sent red flags going up in a bunch of organizations. And given that his reporters were sent on January 6th and his reporters were there at Charlottesville. And so Ezra has connections to the far right. And so, of course, considering both the Canadian and American government's concern about these kind of extremist views, they're going to start looking at Ezra. But Ezra, of course, never brings that up as a possible reason why they might be interested in him. Of course, it's because he's breaking he's breaking all this coverage on China. That's why they're trying to get him. It's just a self-centered like, way of viewing everything that he is. Like He's just like, oh, no, it's got to be me. The other thing that's worth uh, ending on is that you'll notice that not once during this week's show did Ezra at all bring up the Atlanta shooting. And I thought that that was kind of interesting in that I would expect that it would be something that he would cover. He hasn't shied away from these topics in the past. But I thought the reason why he wouldn't address it is the fact that his show has consistently promoted anti-China and anti-Asian viewpoints on his show. And therefore, it would be better for him to just divert and ignore the whole thing and instead talk about some fake bullshit story about the military spying on him rather than address the fact that maybe some of his viewpoints has a negative effect on the world and has increased ever, how, however much the hatred towards uh, Asians in both Canada and America. And so I thought it was a glaring hole that this was never at once spoken about on his show this week. I wonder, too, then, if he'll end up covering any protests against, like, because there are, like, a bunch of protests against um, racism targeting Asian people. Like, so I wonder if he'll cover those, if, like, anything happens there that he can use to demonize the left. But, like, otherwise, I feel like... Yeah, he'll just be completely silent on it for as long as he's able to. If you are local to our town, uh, London, Ontario, this Friday, March 26th, at 6.30pm, there is a uh, stop Asian hate vigilant rally at Victoria Park. Social distancing and masks and such are mandatory. That will be happening. So if you're local, please feel free to attend. That'll be uh, something important to show up and give our solidarity to. Uh, and then the second thing that is easier for those outside of London is a GoFundMe from the Nitsitapi Nation. Uh, otherwise more popularly known in English as the Blackfoot Confederacy. They are a indigenous nation out in the Prairie Provinces. And that, like, just south of that in the U.S., 
not really sure what that area of the U.S. is called, um, <laughs> but they are raising a. Uh, they're they have a fundraiser to um, contribute to the struggle against uh, coal mining in Alberta specifically and the uh, eastern slopes of the Rocky Mountains because the Alberta uh, United Conservative Party government led by Jason Kenney has decided to rescind the coal development policy put in place in 1976 in order to open up coal mining to um, formerly protected environmentally sensitive lands along the eastern slopes of the Rocky Mountains and 600,000 hectares of Alberta's headwaters, including the Old Man River. And the Old Man River is directly adjacent to Blackfoot territory and is the river that they get their drinking water from. And is also a river that goes flows from the Rocky Mountains all the way to Hudson Bay. And so it's a the source water of a lot of drinking water for a lot of different communities along that route. It's a huge river. Oh, it's huge. Like it and it's like multi-province, you know, it's not just one community that is going to be affected by this if mining is allowed to happen nearby. Like it is going to even and you know you look at any of the tar sands or anything like that in alberta and just like how environmentally devastated that province is already and then like this will just like add even more to that uh the blackfoot confederacy has a fundraiser open to uh try to protect that water all funds raised are allocated to the nitsitapi water protectors uh, funds will be used to cover long-term community engagement education strategies working with elders and knowledge keepers, print materials and highway signs and billboards, media engagement and legal actions when necessary. Um, the fundraiser is actually like almost at its goal as of recording. So if anybody has some spare cash and can send it their way, that would be amazing. Yeah, support who good struggles wherever you're able to. But I think this is a good one too support if you have the funds and if you support and enjoy what you've heard so far please give us a few bucks over on patreon.com slash imperial news if you want to stay informed about what we are doing you can also find us on twitter at imperial news with a z we have a private facebook group uh, called imperial news we also have a discord set up and we'll be doing twitch streams every wednesday and friday at 8 p.m you can find all the links to our social media stuff in the show notes lastly you can email us any questions at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com Special thanks to my friend Mason Tickle for the transition beats. You can find his work at striadam.bandcamp.com. Thank you for listening. And the University of Arkansas, you canceled. Albumbia, Albumbia, how lovely are your wheat fields.